Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Let's go. Let's go to Carmel by the Sea, California. Erin, mm. how far up the coast from NoHo is Carmel by the Sea? Ma, I did not look that up. It's so far. It's 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 up it's there. It's so far. I look. Let's go. Okay. Okay, so it's closer to San Francisco. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like really, it's like five hours from you. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a day trip. Well, an avid <laughs> listener becomes obsessed with a California disc jockey who had a brief interlude with her. Okay. What? So wrong. <laughs> Do you want to see that I have? So I, in my notebook, I have made a page for the awards that we did last year, so that I can jot things down when they, when I think they're, you know, such as favorite actor, actress. I already wrote Daniel Kaluuya for as a candidate. You know. Yes. I had to jot this down under favorite movie. Wow. Right under Wait Until Dark. So we have two candidates so far. That's Ew. such a good idea. I need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figure I'd let you know my secret now. Because then you won't, <laughs> like, going through all your notes. It, yeah, then you gonna, already have nominees. Right. It's going to be a lot easier because everything is in one notebook. Yeah. But uh, what a good idea. Thank you. But, yes, I really enjoyed this i'm glad you're going to be going through the first 40 minutes because i wasn't paying attention at first and then it got me oh yeah this yep this is one of those movies people where it's i mean look you have you hear from teeny it's already on her list so you might want to go ahead and watch it because there will be spoilers and we are going to be lots of spoilers so um, okay, so we are doing the movie Play Misty for Me. 1970. Uh, no, excuse me, Ma. I believe it's Play Misty for Me. <laughs> was that not sultry uh, enough for anyone? It was, it was more creepy than sultry. <laughs> well, well, I mean. Well, let's have the particulars for Play Misty for Me. Okay, so Play Misty for Me, it premiered at the San Francisco Film Festival on October 20th, 1971. So you were, what, 19 years old? I thought I saw this with Poppy, and when, I wasn't dating Poppy in 1971. And you, you had to seen it later. There then. was another man? Okay, let's not. Several. <laughs> <laughs> there were several, but... We're not going down that road today. Binders and binders of men. <laughs> oh God! Well, not quite. Oh. Are oh. we going to have particulars today? <laughs> so the director is Clinton Eastwood Jr. This is his directorial debut. He's 41 years old at this time. He has directed since then over 30 films, including The Outlaw Josie Wales, Bird, Unforgiven. Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, Mystic River, American Sniper, and the upcoming Cry Macho, which just seems right on. Like, that would be a Clint Eastwood film, Cry Macho. 
The yes. screenplay is by Joe Hames or Himes, H E I M S. She is a woman. She also wrote The Devil's Hand, The Girl in Lover's Lane, and Breezy. And it was co the screenplay was co written by Dean Reisner, who also, when Dean Reisner was a little kid, when he was four years old, he was famous for being Dinky Dean. Oh, no. And he was in the 1923 Charlie Chaplin film, The Pilgrim. So he was like a child star. But his mom wanted him to have a real childhood and pulled him out of it. Pulled him out of the life. But So you're saying Stinky Dean was a character he played. It wasn't his nickname. I'm saying Dinky Dean was a character <laughs> that he played. I heard Stinky Dean and I thought, oh, that poor little boy. <laughs> I would have stood up for him if I were his teacher. Well, I just thought it was great that his mom was like, nah, no, nope, yeah. not for my son. I want him to have a 1923 childhood. So he went on as an adult to write for Rawhide, Dirty Harry, and he also wrote the... Um, I guess this was a big time TV movie back in the day, Rich Man, Poor Man. Ooh. Oh, I need to look that one up. Mm -hmm. So the story is also by Joe Hines, Hames. She also did the story for Clint Eastwood's role in Dirty Harry. So good on you, lady. She was probably he under him a few times as well. Oh, he likes the ladies. I was reading a lot about Clint Eastwood, and he will not admit to how many children he has. Oh, my God. I he probably doesn't, doesn't know. know. Yeah. And at this point, he can't count that high. Um, the music is by Dee Barton, who is an American jazz trombonist and a big band drummer and a prolific composer for big band and motion pictures. He is very well known for his association with Clint Eastwood and also with Stan Kenton the Stan Kenton Orchestra. So he also did the music for High Plains Drifter and Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. The director of photography is Bruce Surtees. That name should be familiar to us because he is the son of Robert L. Surtees, who was the director of The Bad and the Beautiful. That's one ah. of the good episodes, people. That was with uh, Kurt Douglas and his guy. We got really scandalous in that episode. Yes, we did. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. He also, Bruce also um, was the director of photography on The Beguiled, Dirty Harry, Lenny, Risky Business, and Beverly Hills Cop, just to name a few. Mm, okay. Very successful in his own right. The editor was Carl Ping Pingertorn. He also cut Dirty Harry and Police Story. The cast, starring Clint Eastwood as Dave Garver. Clint Eastwood got his start in TV's Rawhide, mm -hmm. and then he wasn't getting a lot of roles. He got offered to be in a character who had no name, and those went on to be known as um, the man with no name in the famous films A Fistful of Dollars, For a Few Dollars More, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Uh -huh. Those were the Sergio Leone films, known as the Spaghetti Westerns. I'm sure we'll do some at some other time. Well, can I ask a question? Sure. What is a Spaghetti Western? I think that it is because Sergio Leone, they were Italian. And so uh... he's Italian. 
Spaghetti. West, but they were American, but set in the American I'm West. I'm imagining the Sopranos playing in a Western film. <laughs> but that's kind of what they Which are. I would watch. I think they kind of do have, like, not the, the, the Sopranos are big fans of these movies. Yes. And oh, yes. Yeah, so I saw Tony loved yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So there is, I see. not in the literal sense of like, but there is a lot of crossover with as far as like the anti-heroes and the depiction of the underworld, like the I criminal feel, world. I feel like they were like a step down from um, a Hollywood Western. Like they were kind of like they cranked them out really fast and mm. that kind of thing. But, but these this trilogy was um, really well received. Oh, and we'll, because we're going to, eventually we're going to do one of these movies and we'll get into it. But yes, they were, because big, big surprise that as, as far as the Hollywood film uh, people and America in general might cast aspersions and look down upon somebody else in another country doing movies. But it happened to be one of these instances where this guy Sergio Leone knew his stuff and was actually a fantastic filmmaker and was able to make these great movies and the the soundtracks. I mean, the music. I think that man recently passed away, but I blank on his name. But like, we'll get into them when we do them. But this. So those, because TV, because he was a TV star. Clint Eastwood was a TV star. He went off and did these movies. They were huge hits, but they weren't released in the United States until the late 60s. And then when those were released, then he really blew up. And people right. were like, oh, now, then he became Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and so that went on to be in Paint Your Wagon, Dirty Harry. And many of the younger generation might know him as the man who talked to an empty chair in 2012. It was very uncomfortable. It was. He has since said that he regretted it, but I don't think he regretted it for the reasons that we hope that he regretted it. No, but he regretted it because it wasn't taken well. Probably. Nobody else got it. They didn't get it. Now, Jessica Walter as Evelyn Draper. She was in over 170 films. Damn. She was in Lilith, Grand Prix, The Group, Bye Bye Braverman. She was the voice of Mallory Archer on Archer. And she is best known to me and my ma as Lucille Bluth in Arrested Development. She also, in 1975, won a Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited Series for Amy Prentice. I don't remember that. It was very short-lived series, apparently. But she was the main character, and she won an Emmy for that. So In I'm, the 70s, when, when you saw her in something, you just w sat down and watched it. So you knew her? Like, you, had, you could remember? It, this isn't a thing where... You, it was oh, just Lucille Ball. Like when you saw her as Lucille Bluth, you mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I I have a whole experience with this uh, performer. Yes, yes, oh, nice. yes, nice. We have Donna Mills as Toby Williams, yes, which we do. Can I just make fun of myself for a moment? So when I saw Donna Mills, I kind of like perked up and was like, oh, oh, this is. 
this seems progressive for a Hollywood film. We got Donna Mills. I confused Donna Mills with Stephanie Mills. <laughs> I kept waiting for <laughs> Stephanie Mills to show up. And then I was like, no, that's Stephanie Mills you're thinking of. This is Donna Mills. Who is Donna Mills? She yeah. was in a lot of, of like late night, uh, um, night time, prime time TV soap operas. Right. Dallas and Knott's uh, uh, Landing and um, those kinds of things. Yeah. So she was in The Secret Storm, The Incident, and like you said, tons of TV, including Abby Cunningham on Knott's Landing. Yeah, she was. Those blue eyes do stand out. We have John Larch as Sergeant McCollum. He was in Gunsmoke. He was in The Wrecking Crew, which that was the final movie of that Sharon Tate was in. Um, he was in Dirty Harry, the Amityville Horror. He served in the United States Army during World War II. And I found this, this quote that I thought was very interesting on his Wikipedia page. Um, he gave a interview in 1965 to the Berkshire Eagle, which was a, his hometown newspaper. And it was, quote, what was my hang up then? Because this was about returning to being a civilian, getting back, readjusting to civilian life after World War II, which is not something that you would really hear that much about. Nope, because they sucked it up. Yep, they didn't talk about it. Um, he said, what was my hang-up then? Just about everything. I was looking for four years I had lost in service. I was also looking for a rhyme and reason to the mass murders that took place. I was looking for the ideals I had once had. I was disgusted with the world, a world in which civilians acted as though there hadn't been a worldwide holocaust. Mm -hmm. So I was just like... Yeah. He was deep. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack King as Frank. He was also in Where the Red Fern Grows and High Plains Drifter, and he was Bull in the AT. Oh. I think her Hervey as Madge. She Madge was remember she was the older woman yep. that he was talking to. So she was kind of big time back in the day in Hollywood. She was in The Count of Monte Cristo. Watch Which out. I didn't know that there was a movie. So yes, you didn't. As soon as I finished reading this uh, uh, epic book, that is the so, what, so when you're sixty, you'll be watching the movie. I'll be watching that. Um, it's funny too because she plays a character that I just got introduced to in the book, and I'm like, oh, that's crazy. She was also in with words and music and Destry Rides Again. We have James McEachin as Al Monte. Mm -hmm. He was in King Company, 9th Infantry Regiment, 2nd Infantry Division, um, and he served in the Korean War. And he was, he, his uh, division, like his people, like who he was with, they got ambushed and he was wounded and left for dead. And he ended up being one of two people who survived that. And he got that Purple Heart and the Silver Star. And he's also um, a pretty well-renowned author. And he works with the military to help veterans. Silver Star is not something they just hand out. Well, Matt, you did hear when he, like, his, like, 
group that he was like a not insignificant amount of people. I don't know if it was his platoon or his infantry or how many people, but they got ambushed. And yeah, well, he, infantry are on the ground, the yeah. first people there, so it's not good. He saw some shit. Yeah. Which is, and you like he was it was him and another guy who lived. Mm. All his other friends were killed. So, mm-hmm. wow. He was also in Every Which Way But Loose, Sudden Impact, and he did tons of TV work. He's actually still alive. So, um, but yeah, he also works for this. There's an organization like for the military that goes around and they give medals back to um, veterans who like lost their medals or don't have them. Mm-hmm. They kind of like reunite them with their medals, which I thought was very nice and so he's always advocating for veterans and to Good. You know, take Good. care of them and stuff. Um, Clarice Taylor as a birdie. Yes. She showed up. I was like, that's that's Grandma Huxtable. Yes. Oh. I, knew, I knew her, but I couldn't remember yes. from where. And she was also Harriet on Sesame Street. She was in Tell Me That You Love Me. She was on in Five on the Black Hand Side. She was Cousin Emma on Sanford and Son, and she was Anna Huxtable on The Cosby Show. Yes, she was. As soon as I saw her, I knew who she was. <clears throat> Donald Siegel as Murphy. He was the bartender. He was a very famous director in his own right. He directed The Killers, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Dirty Harry, Escape from Alcatraz. And he act- he did the montage in Casablanca. He directed Really? Yeah, so he was, because this was Clint Eastwood's first movie, and that scene that they were in the bar was the first scene that they shot. And so he was kind of the mentor that was kind of, you know, guiding Clint Eastwood about, you know, directing. But, wow. But Eastwood had been on enough sets where he knew, but it, he was, you know, they were buddies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there are the particulars. Outstanding. <clears throat> well, we start out with beach views and a flyover of the California coast and the gulls. And I just so wanted to be there. And the water hitting the rocks. Because, you know, the California coast is not like the East Coast where you have big beaches. Like the, a lot of it is just the ocean hitting big rocks. Well, especially the, up north. Right? So which I was yeah. like, why live on the ocean? The California coast is... Like look at the map of California. It is very vast and it it's very it has diff it has it's got everything you want. You want sandy beaches? It's got sandy beaches. You want rock cliffs? It's got the rock cliffs. True. Uh, and then we see a young Clint on a deck of a house, and he's looking into the house. And there's uh, like sheets over furniture, and there's a portrait of him. Um and then he he doesn't go into the house, but he gets into a convertible. And I said, Jag? Question mark. Yes, XK one fifty drop head coupe. Wow. He clicks on the radio, and he's on the Pacific Coast Highway. Through the credits, and there's instrumental music because Clint uh, fashioned himself a jazz aficionado. So all of his movies, have, uh, music was important to him. Is that why he, because when I was growing up as a, as a kid and stuff, like it was a pro Clint Eastwood household, I would say. Mm-hmm. 
Like we would see his movies. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, it was Clint Eastwood. Like it was known in the house, at least to my memory, you could correct me, that he was into jazz and he mm-hmm. sort of therefore was, he was like, oh, yeah, Clint Eastwood. Oh, he's cool. Bush approved. But then, you know, you know, he, I guess he always had those right leanings, but then he became more politically obnoxious. So it's evening. He's well, in town. I was just going to say, this is a long freaking drive, which mm-hmm. will come back later because I for- didn't realize how long it was at the beginning. But then in the end, where he's driving from the studio to her house, I was like, Jesus Christ, how far away right. are they from the studio? But I guess California takes forever to get somewhere. But I was listening, I started listening to a podcast um, called Cult Film and Review, and they pointed out that this was back when they did all the credits in the beginning of the film. So they mm-hmm. kind of needed it to be a long scene so that all the That's credits true. could run. That's true. Yeah, because now they'll do part of the film and then do the credits a lot of the time. And they do say later on, that's pointed out many times of how far away that house is. Yes, it's a yeah. very secluded. Desolate. It's secluded. Now I don't think it would be as much because the it's probably... I mean, that I didn't look it up, but that house has to have gone for so much. I'm sure Teeny looked it up, and we'll get to it later, right? Is that what I have a tasty nugget. I don't know if I can wait. Well, it's evening, and he's driving in a town. He gets to a parking lot. He goes into the studio, um, the radio station. Al you know Mont- that I worked at a radio station? No. I was an intern on a radio on a radio show. Really? Yeah, there's a tasty nugget. I interned at Kiss ninety five point one when I was in college, and we had to so like it was like mostly promotions, and we had to do the stupid shit like go to uh, go to a park or like on like a Sunday from one to three, and we would drive. We would ride in the radio truck. I was an intern, so I didn't drive the truck, but I would work with somebody who worked there and they would drive the big Kiss 95.1 van and then we would hand out like koozies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I also had to be the mascot. There was a mascot <gasps> uniform. and But part of it was you got to be on a radio show once a week for like the whole summer. So I was on the O show with Otis and every Thursday night. How cool. Yeah. And they would like call, like we got to talk on, like, yeah, we were just like on the radio show. That's why you're so good at this. You have the radio experience. (laughs) Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I was friends with, it's not as cool as Didi by any means. I was friends with, at college, the kids that um, my friends and roommate, housemates, were all in WKDU, Mm. which is the Drexel student run station. So there would be, uh, you know, many nights where I would go down to the radio station and just hang out. But it was yeah. student run, so it was wild and crazy times. Yeah, my brother was a disc jockey in. Oh, yeah. Um, was it Louisville or Owensboro? I don't know. That's pretty pathetic. I don't even know. <laughs> Okay, well, we meet Al Monty, who is um, the set before Clint, and he's, you're digging the mass 
Mr. Jack of Solid Rock, Sweet Al, Monty, Blast and Babies, KRML. And um, he is advertising the Monterey Jazz Festival. And we find out that Clint's name is Dave Garvin. And he's kind of a, he his program is kind of smooth jazz. And he's talking about um, getting a new gig in San Francisco. And a woman is putting it together. And Al, at this point, the, the I was going to say babble, but the, um, the talk between the two of them is finding out that Clint is a player. Like he goes to bed with just about everybody because Al's going, wait, isn't that woman uh, in San Francisco, isn't she a grandmother? But, you know, that's not going to deter you. <laughs> Since when did that ever stop you? Um, we find out Dave's shift is going to be five hours. And then there's a woman on the phone because you took take requests. Mm -hmm. And so she goes, Dave, play Misty for me. Oh, that was so much better. That than was mine. really good. Yeah. That's it. And, um, and uh, Al is saying, ah, oh, you got your Misty chick back. So now it's after his five hours on the radio. He's at a bar, and Jessica Walters is sitting at the bar drinking Cokes. And I he, have a uh, question. What time is this? Is this like 3 a.m., 2 a.m., midnight? <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I the got the idea. It was like the late night show. Yeah. Like yeah. But not like, okay. yeah, like most people are in bed. Like maybe 9 to 2. 10 yeah. to 3, okay. that kind of a thing. So I was usually on I was usually on from like 7 to 9. Oh, that's oh, that's yeah, yeah because yeah. that's that's prime time. Prime yeah. time. Um so this is cuz the bar was not busy at all and the bartender was pretty much wiping everything down. Oh, well, so it must have been like 1 and 45 in the morning. <laughs> 1 and 45. No sooner and no later. I mean, I assume bars <laughs> <laughs> you lost my good job <laughs> one in 45 yeah so yeah uh, and then um and the bartender goes don't even think about it you know she's been waiting for she's waiting for somebody and nobody other people tried to hit on her it's not going to happen and um uh, they uh, the bartender and Dave start playing a game with wine corks. Actually, they're champagne corks, if you want to be specific. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a pretend game. It's obvious it's a pretend game. I wrote down, I was like, what is this game that they're playing? I thought it was a it's real fake. game. That, but then when they, it was revealed that it was fake, I was like, oh, that's, that's good. Because I, I thought this was a whole world that I had, had right. not been privy to. And you know, if there was a game with champagne corks, yeah. I would know mm -hmm. about it. I'm going to come on here with <clears throat> some fire. And what is this? A champagne cork game and we've never played? It, the name of the game was Cry Bastion. Stupid name. And but okay. um, we find out that Jessica Walter's name is Evelyn Draper. Evelyn, that's a, that's a name that can be retired. I know, and Evelyn. I mean, I don't anymore. Like we're acquaintances, but like I like you pulled it off well. I like the name Eve. Evelyn is kind. You're of gonna go with Eve over Evelyn. At least Evelyn, you can call like Evie or something. 
Well, Eve, you can call her Evie. I kind of like Evie. I had an aunt named Evelyn, and so I'm kind of yeah. She was was waiting for that. I knew because I was like, I don't really find anything wrong with Evelyn. Wait for it, Aaron. Wait for it. There it is. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Okay, Evelyn. Watch your flinch. So, (laughs) um, so he is able to buy her a drink, and she's like, "Well, what you know, what's." who wins the game and and it's it's because he was able to buy her a drink that he won the game because they they pulled her in you know because women are just stupid okay uh shag haircut it was the mullet of the 70s let me point out this is the same year as clute and I don't know if you all caught Miley Cyrus's performance at the Final Four, but she's definitely rocking the clute. Let me point out that when I went to get my hair cut on Sunday, I said I want a little bit of a long shag. Oh but not God. like that. But because... just with the layers and yeah. it's coming. It's, it's in. 70s is here. Mm-hmm. It is. However... After my freshman year in college, uh, during the summer, my roommate from New Jersey, so she knew everything, she was God, had gotten a shag haircut. Mm-hmm. And she said, do New not Jersey come- is New Jersey is like that, right? Yeah. Do not come back to uh, our college without a shag haircut. And Bitch. I came back and she said, I'm giving you a shag haircut. And this is what she did. She just take chunks of hair, twist it, and cut. And oh, that, God. Do you have a picture? Uh, hopefully not. I have one. If you're looking, that's No, because <laughs> the shag haircut has come a long way. Yeah. Where you have purposeful layers, not yeah. just yeah. chop, 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 chop. And that's what it was back then. Yeah, just you don't. Chop. Like, you need a professional to give you a, a Yeah, shag. because then I look like my Aunt Evelyn, who didn't have a lot of hair. Also, the shag seems to be just the fancy way of saying not like teeny has the long shag so this doesn't count for that of course but when you have a short shag and you have a certain type of hair it's a mullet it, that's what i said the mullet of the 70s yeah yeah if you have fine hair and you get a shag haircut you have just decreased the amount of your hair on your head by 50%. It's not a good thing. I thought you were going to say you have just decreased your sex appeal. Well, percent <laughs> as well. Yes. Okay. Okay. That was huge. So Evelyn says she ought to be mad at him. Now, I do know I've seen the movie before. and I, But... Him for having such an ear for music. How did he not know that that voice was the same voice of? Okay, not going to spill that right now. They are back at her apartment, and she is using an ice pick to get ice out of her freezer. That's when he needed to say, "Excuse me, I need to go check on something." Bye bye. But that's not that's not who that guy is. He he's this dude. He's oh. so oblivious because he's just like, eh. But that 
at this point, he's you can see it from his point of view, and it's it's like oh, it's, it's, like he's he's he look at him, he scored, he went out and he scored, and he's gonna score some more. And he says, I keep thinking I know you from somewhere. Um, so she goes, Why don't you go start the fire? Um, I rarely get to bed before 3 a.m. Because he's going, aren't, aren't I keeping you up? So here we know that it's close to 3 a.m. Oh, and she stays up late every night listening. And then she says to him, you know what? Oh, that's true. I didn't have a date tonight. I went there to meet you because you talk about this bar on your radio station. And so then she goes... Play Misty for me. And that's time number two. Um, And he says, but you know what? I'm kind of caught up on a girl. And he goes, she goes, yeah, yeah. There's there's no reason why we shouldn't sleep together if we feel like it. Just because you're, you know, kind of stuck on a girl. And Um, he's like, oh, my God, I've won the lottery. Yes. Because he has not seen Fatal Attraction, which comes out. In the eighties, um, and Neither so have I. It, it's and we want to keep it that way. And <laughs> so it's the morning, and he's leaving. And now, I believe we're at Dave's house, and Al Monty comes by, uh, sent by Carol. Uh, evidently Carol is Al's girlfriend and they want Dave to go out with them on a double date and Dave's going I don't have a date and I got a lot of work to do well at this point Evelyn arrives at his house they weren't at his house before with two bags of groceries and she has verbal diarrhea yeah, this is the point where you're like, oh, I guess. Stay away. Ooh. Right. Need Red to flag. take a step Red back. Flag. And he's trying to say stuff to her, but she won't let him get a word in edgewise because she knows what's coming. And he goes, what's going on? And then she has tears in his eye, in her eyes. And he goes, you know, there's a thing called a telephone. I dial it. I ask you what you're doing. So he has set the stage for, you don't contact me, I contact you. Um, um, there are no strings, but I never said anything about not coming back for seconds, she says. All righty. Mm. Guy trying to sleep. Oh, uh, um, evidently... Who's this guy? They're out in the street. She also has a convertible. They're talking. They're not yelling or anything. This guy comes out in a robe and is like, hey, knock it off. I'm trying to sleep here. I feel like her car was kind of noisy. The motor of her car might have been kind of noisy. But he's in his house. Well, I I would complain about your 1970s insulation, buddy. Okay. I'm because you know they're kind of secluded here. This isn't LA, 
No, the, the, the reason for this whole scene is that he has to, it doesn't make any sense, but the reason for it is that he ha, it has to be a stranger that comes out so that she can have a flash of anger. And they can, because not right. only that, because that was an interesting thought experiment that I was doing when I was watching the movie. I was like, if you take out this part of, like, the parts where she, like, basically shows her fangs and, and, and like, yells at, at a stranger or somebody, if you take those parts out, then it's funny to see how he, I mean, he is a dick in the movie, but just how much of a dick he is. Yeah. Until you, you get to, like, the third act and stuff and when it goes off the rails. But this was just to plant the seed of, oh, she's, she's got more going on. Yeah. At which point I wrote... Oh, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Straight out of Arrested Development. We got the Job vibes. Um, so Dave is driving through town and he sees a woman with uh, long blonde hair and um, a unique sweater on. And he follows her. It's very 70s sweater. Like a very that like a the very the hippies very like laughing the swirl it's bright colors swirly yeah it's coming to Urban Outfitters next week yeah um and he catches up with the girl and he goes oh I thought you were somebody else and she goes oh you must be Dave so they chatter about a girl and I wrote JJ don't know what that's about. Okay, my um, notes. Evidently, the girl. Okay, so the girl goes, "Yeah, this." Uh, she told me to wear this. No, she. I borrowed this sweater or something. But we know that the girl who owned the sweater had a relationship with Dave before, and something went wrong. So she is the girl who he said to Jessica Walters, "You know, I'm kind of involved with somebody." And he she just like he gets around. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, Amy Winehouse song. Um, she went uh, crying to JJ. Now she's the other woman. Okay, that is definitely a mono. <laughs> I, I don't know who Who's JJ is. I, I have no JJ, idea. JJ is, isn't J, JJ... Is JJ the, the rather flamboyant man that we meet later? Yes. Yes. That's JJ. So JJ was her friend. This whole, her whole plot line and story thing, I found very problematic and had a lot of questions about it. Yes. 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 Okay. Teeny, did you, were you paying attention at this part? No. I started paying attention at the sardine bar. Because at this point, I thought that he thought when he first sees this woman, I thought that he thought that it was Evelyn, but it didn't make any sense because her hair was really long and Evelyn had the shag. But I'm like, well, you know, wigs and stuff. And so then he meets her. It's like, hey, and he's like, oh, you must be Dave. Then we cut to him right at this. It's like at the art place. Right, it's like some art. It's like her house. It's her studio. Whatever is that? What that's what you're talking about now, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think so. So we meet. (laughs) We meet JJ, and 
the she who went crying to JJ was the girlfriend of Dave. No, what's her name? Toby. Toby. Okay. She went crying to JJ. Donna Mills, not Stephanie Mills. Yeah. Um, and now she's the other woman. But she, but she's not. Exactly. Well, this is what happened. So because okay. he was already cheating on her before, yes. right? With like her roommates. Multiple times. And now yes. she comes back. But that was the thing. And she he's like went, cheating on her with a, this with now Evelyn. He doesn't know she's back. Because at town. the beginning, that wasn't his. I thought it was his house. But yeah, but like she, he's house. still cheating on her. Like right. it doesn't yeah. matter if he knows she's back or not. Right. Well, well yeah in his mind but this is the this is my part that i'm like wait a second because she went away and she was gone for four months and he's going to her house and it's this really nice house later we'll find out that her father left her the house but the house isn't paid off and that's why she has to have all these roommates because the mortgage payment is so expensive so she was gone for four months and that basically means she went in hiding and she went in hiding with JJ who had a place in Sausalito or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and was basically, and so then he was friends with or knew JJ and asked JJ where Toby was. This is, um, yes. Character. yes. And JJ lied to him and was like, Oh, I don't know where she is. Meanwhile, he knew where, where Toby was and was ba- So to me, it sounded like Toby was in hiding like yeah. it was an abusive kind like I just, oh yeah I thought she, he was just like he fucked her over slept with her roommates and so she was like fuck this I gotta go take some time for myself exactly oh okay exactly. I just I'm not gonna tell this guy where I am I'm not gonna tell him I'm back in town yeah and she, I was thinking it as like she was trying to take some time by herself and she was the artist who painted that portrait of him and I guess JJ's gallery carried some of her art. Yeah. But when he shows up, she just had these vibes to me of like she doesn't want to see this guy. And she went, it wasn't like I was away for a month. She was away for four months. So they weren't really dating. He's just hung up on her. Right. Yeah. And it probably because like, she left him. Yeah. And it didn't seem like. Like she, like she went to all of this trouble, moved out of her house, which was a great house. Yeah, you know, when like she basically, so it it was like she was in hiding to me, yeah. not an I need to like get away and like for four months. Cause and then the vibe that she has when he comes in was very. It just read to me very much like this is not a good situation, and this woman does not want to be in it at all. And she says, I don't know if I'm up for it anymore. Waiting for you. I started to be one of my most unfavorite kind of people because she was being a jealous hack. And so she left. She didn't, she noticed, she realized that's not what she wanted and she left. But of course, but she, she had to, but the fact that she had to leave her house and go away for four months because she knew that he would just show up mm-hmm. shows what kind like he's not a good guy at all to me. And he is, of course, you know, got a silver tongue here saying, I can think of a thousand reasons why we should try again. Um, and she goes, What am I supposed to do with you? And he goes, A lot. <laughs> 
let's try again. Uh, and she goes, give me a few days. Now he's at the sardine factory, which is a restaurant or bar. It's a, yeah, it's a restaurant bar. It's the place that, that he went. It's his go-to place. Okay. Okay. And at the bar, Evelyn is calling the bar and she is across the street in a, okay. This is when children. I was like, I'm tuned in. <laughs> this, <laughs> this got teedy. This, this is called a phone crazy, booth. crazy woman. Before cell phones, people had to find a phone booth and go put money in it to make calls. And she was across the street from the bar. She saw his Jaguar, Jaguar, and she knew he was in there. And he is telling the barkeep, tell her I'm not here. Tell her I'm not here. So um, Madge from San Francisco wants a two-hour tape of the show. And so he's excited because it looks like he might get the San Francisco job. And he goes out to his car and who's sitting in the passenger seat? She was inside that his was car. That was crazy. She lounged out. Like, not like, like being seductive. Just no self-awareness whatsoever of like, this is crazy. It's like, hey. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's why didn't you take my call? <laughs> and he goes, I got work to do. Not tonight, not tonight. And she takes his keys. Uh, children, back in the day, <laughs> cars had to have a key to turn in the ignition for the for the car to start. There was there was none of this have the key in your pocket and it automatically happens unless your battery runs out. Um, and so she's playing a game of, keep the keys and he has to chase her and tackle her to get the keys back <laughs> assault her to get the keys back you know just love <laughs> okay and then there, however there... i once had a my a minor stalker problem uh-huh and I had something very similar like this happen to me when oh like keep playfully like keeping the keys away where you don't feel like it's a bad thing, but like it really it um like this maybe that's why I was so tuned in because I was like this is all like minor things that don't seem like such a big deal, uh -huh. but it's really like oh, and Adam like up, when you're Adam in the up. moment you don't realize it's happening, but once you step back and it's over, you're like oh. I had a fucking stalker. Like, that's what that mm. was. And she's like, I was like, oh, okay, this is real. Like, relate. Ouch. Yeah. I think it's very, I think it's very relatable. I mean, look at us. It's it in just one in three. We, you and that's why I liked it because it wasn't like the other movies where you're like, oh, I mean, it gets there. But it's not like the things where you're like, oh, somebody like hiding in your closet at night or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like these little things, you know, where if you told them to your friend, they'd go, well, what, what's the big deal? She wanted to cook you dinner. So that's well, not it, a big deal. You it's know, the thing of it isn't, it isn't the one incident, right? Like you can have the one incident and it, it can be looked at as like Dini was saying, playful and jokey, but it's the other stuff that comes onto it. Like yeah. so many times I find that people judge things on, well, they said this or they just did this. And it's like, that's innocuous. It's it's pretty innocent, but it it's the other things on top of it that you layer on top and on top of it mm -hmm. where it's like, no, that's not okay. Like, yeah, he took the keys, but then he was also 
just around or you're doing other things where you add all of those together and it's red flags. Red I flag. had, I left my cell phone in this person's car. Like it was being held. Like, like I couldn't get it back. Oh. Like, it was like, unless you meet me here at this place, <gasps> like you can't get, and like you have to come here to get, to get my cell phone back. Oh, that's yeah. creepy. Which, like, it didn't seem creepy at the time, but, right. like, looking back, I'm like, holy shit, that's really creepy. Shit, it's creepy. Well, Brian, like, you always say that, like, your move, like, the move that you did, like, to, you know, to make sure that you saw Poppy again, it could have been, it could have gone left, you know? Like, you you left the it's record true. player, a record. It's true. And then so you would see him again, and it's like, okay, but... That could what have been he... powder stock restock. Yeah, what if he was like not into it whatsoever? Sorry, I'm not into stalkers, so he could have brought the the album to my dorm and left it at the front office. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So uh, it is I did a, a touch of a stalker thing. Well, no, you did a move like the stalker thing is the you have to see me. You have to That's true. You know, like that, and that's the point that I'm making. There can be these things that are innocent enough, but what else is on top of it? That's true. Yeah. Well, context matters. Like the other things surrounding the thing matters, is what I'm saying. So they are they are fighting over the keys now. She is playfully fighting over the keys. He is full out. Give me my mother keys, and two guys are coming out of the bar and they're going, Hey lady, do you need some help? And she has a monster voice come out of her. Get lost, asshole. (laughs) I, uh, I, I have a monster voice. Yes. Ma. That can come out of me. You, you could have this guttural. Yeah. And in your nose flare into literal like wings. Like he, she mentioned that how how Clint Eastwood his when he nose gets mad, flare, his yeah. nose flare, like yours flare out to take almost like a dragon, like like you become a different creature almost. They just become these wings, almost like a cobra hood. Where you're like, oh my, it's God. true. And there are about four students out of my thirty years who would say that they were introduced to that voice, <laughs> and. I won every time. Um, He gets home, and next to his front door is a giant stuffed dog with a note. Evelyn sent me to keep an eye on you, so behave yourself. That was creepy. And then then (laughs) she's there. It was a horror show today, Bob. You got these creepy voices. You got these hooded nostrils flaring. You're like, how did you survive, Aaron? I did. <laughs> because you had to see that monster once. Because I saw it once and I was like, I'm going to be a good kid. I'm going to be a good kid. <laughs> Unlike your brother who went, not scaring me that much. So not only is the dog there with the note, but then you hear, hi, get all your work done. It's the, it's the, the just showing up and just like nothing happened and just, Hi, that is that was so creepy to me. Just her show up. She could go from you assholes to (laughs) hi, get your work done. And uh, he says, What do you want? And she says, She wants a Coke. And then she drops her coat 
and she has nothing on. I stopped there. Well, he, but, but it's great because he gets so angry that she's naked on his doorstep. Like his, and then he's just looking around for all the neighbors because he's just, that, that made me laugh, just that. That was about 30 minutes in, and I felt like uh, we had definitely set the table. I mean, look, yeah. at this point, Teeny's hooked. So going on, you've been warned, there's going to be spoilers. If you don't want to know what happens in this fantastically fun movie. It's just a fun movie. If you, you've had a bit of light stalking, mm-hmm. go ahead. If you've had, like, full-on stalking, maybe... It might be a trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe if you've had full blown. So we are to people of color count. Mm-hmm. It got a bit high. It did. So I, Al, Al Monte yes. right off the bat. Birdie, the mm-hmm. housekeeper, right off the bat. Then I, I like- counted, there were three people in the street at one point. And then when we got to the Monterey Jazz Festival, I yeah. put the pen down. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, exactly. Nope, all right. But I did notice that there was an Asian man who was like a police officer, some sort of county official that showed up at his apartment at one time. So those are so few and far between. I I had to note it. So there were three people, people of color with with lines, speaking lines. Yes. I mean, there's Al, his best friend, Al, and his housekeeper, Birdie. Right. Um, And so power of cast, I call you. You don't contact me, bitch. Yeah, so you're talking about the male-female cast? I am. I think in the power of cast, like you guys can help me kind of describe maybe how I feel. That Jessica Walter is fantastic in this movie, and there's definitely crazy, there's definitely crazy people, men, women, very crazy. But it's just interesting that this movie was such a, a huge hit and a success. And it's the woman who is the crazy person. Mm-hmm. And But then in society, women are way, uh, you know, it's just just the victims of mm-hmm. ma- male violence. Yeah. And so I just wonder at the, go ahead, Teeny. Well, and it's like when a woman does something like this, he's, she's a crazy psycho woman. But like you've never heard, like you, we don't talk about men like that. They're overprotective, or they're you know, if like a male would do any of these things, it's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then very common. We had fatal attraction, which is along the same lines, and that was very successful because again, it was a female who had um some mental issues mm-hmm. and but but the dude who's sleeping around and sees yeah you got some mental issues but i'm gonna hit that again because you know? it was fantastic so he was just like well until the voice came out but it's just that the movies don't don't reflect what happens in society because yeah no. there are crazy women but it's so routinely not women that when you just like it's like oh see this is why right you know you know like you 
you don't want it to be, but it sort of feels like it's society justifying violence against women because yeah, exactly, exactly. This one like blip of like, oh yeah, well sometimes this does happen. Like what yeah. they do with like assault stories, like from survivors, mm-hmm. and how have has ever has there never been a woman who has lied? Yes, there has been women who have lied. It's despicable and right. disgusting. But people always point to that fraction of like, oh, well, yeah, women lie to be the reason why you don't believe all of these other women who mm-hmm. didn't lie, you know? Right. Yes, ma'am. Christine, did you have any power of cast? No, no, that was pretty Other much than it. dicky men? I have um, a few more. Um, the, you know, Birdie, when Birdie showed up and she was the housekeeper... Mm-hmm. I was just like, she's going to die. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I just knew that something... But she I had a great one-liner on the way out. She did. She, but my, my, my problem with it is, I feel like this is one of those instances where you can tell that diversity wasn't in the writing room. Because mm. I don't think that Birdie would go into that house and see it in disarray and say, let me look around. Teeny, do you have any? Oh, 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 yes. <laughs> I do have a alert. Um, I did one on Annabelle Lee because that's the poem that she was reading or something um, by Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. Um, now, Edgar Allan Poe, Poe is old AF. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, yes. And he's Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and then Richmond, Virginia. Um, he lived there for a very long time. Uh, but Annabelle Lee was the last complete poem that he, it is thought that he wrote in 1849. Um, and it was about, we think, his wife. Um, it explores the theme of death of a beautiful woman. The narrator who fell in love with Annabelle Lee when they were young has a love for her so strong that even the angels are envious. He retains his love for her even after death. Um, and they think that the woman that he's talking about was his wife um, because she died at a young age. But also it has been like a lot of things are inspired by this poem and it was an inspiration for Vladimir Nabokov's um novel Lolita in which a young child falls in love with a terminally ill Annabelle Lee. Oh, so I wow. thought that was pretty interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Cuz those are always like Lolita is always referenced in entertainment. Mm-hmm. Which and I found that. a copy of Lolita on the street and I have been sitting I've never read it, but I haven't either. At some point this year maybe. I just I just know the Long Island Lolita. Oh, I know Lolita is a famous Stanley Kubrick film as well. And they always oh. thought, like, if it's a, a little girl, she's always like a Lolita. Like, it, it gets very yeah. creepy. It seems like it's creepy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, I feel like they, they put that in. I was watching, um, I still have to finish it, but Millie Bobby Brown in Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, whatever it is. But, like, how she, when I see her, I think of when I saw Natalie Portman when Natalie Portman was really young and mm-hmm. then 
hearing about Natalie Portman talking about how creepy it was being sexualized at such a young mm-hmm. age. And you know that's what's going on with Millie Bobby Brown. Mm-hmm. That, that I'm just like, I think she's a great actress and she has great screen presence, but all of that other bullshit mm-hmm. that goes on behind it, I just, I, I get this weird feeling like I hope she has great people behind her, but just how this this uh inner industry is it's yeah like, yeah, yeah what it did to britney mm-hmm. all right okay so now we are to reheatables i have quite a few negatives oh okay then you can go first i'm gonna go Tells her he's done with her and then goes and sleeps with her again. Yeah. yeah. That was the, the goodbye. Just one last oh, time. Oh, yeah. You know. One last time. Um, telling someone no strings attached when you know that you are fully, um, you know, octopus, you know, <laughs> all eight tentacles are wrapped around you. Stalking. Just yeah. definitely a negative. Honorable Geisha. That was that, the when she was doing. She did a, a, a rather unseemly voice because she was, she bought him white leather, the white leather shoes, the loafers yes. that yes. didn't seem at all with his style. But she bought them for him, and then she was going to take off his shoes, and she does a problematic Geisha voice. It was and very refers bad. Madam Butterfly, yeah. Um. Getting dumped. Getting dumped sucks. Yeah. Yes, it does. That definitely sucks. Mm-hmm. Now, his house. I had questions. The outdoor space indoors. I mean, you have to walk across rocks in a little in a little pond to get to his front door. I never understood this house. I never understood it, but I did put it in my good reheatables, although it could it straddled the fence because I like the idea, especially in this past year, of outsideness being inside. But mm-hmm. the the way that you, he would have to walk through these stones and just how his life was coming back home, you know, he's been out with women, you know, you know he's driving drunk. Let's just face it. How did how are his ankles just not permanently sprained? Yeah, stumbling home. That's not a stumbling home drunk house. It was really odd. What I I couldn't. I still was like, I think this is pretty cool. I mean, the thing. See, that but my make, thought is probably. now what's going to keep creatures that I don't want in my house away exactly. from that water? Exactly, it's a wetlands. That's why I'm like, is this an outside inside thing? Because then I'm all for it. But this, if this is an outside pretend inside thing, like a horseshoe, is this a box, square box inside outside? Is there a vinyl liner? Yes. Yes. What I'm saying. Yes. Is it just looking outside, or is this actual wilderness in my house? I don't want actual wilderness in my house. Um. I don't know who had the IUD earrings on. IUD? Well, they were earrings that were all like 
Oh, I loved those. I almost put that in my um, positive reading. Oh, really? They look yeah, like IUDs to me. You, they look like explosive devices? No, intrauterine <laughs> devices. Oh. Yes. Um, uh, the fake blood was really fake. I mm. mean, you know, it was like yeah. Buster's uh, corn syrup and uh, red food. very color. red. Um, I said, who doesn't know that Madeline is Evelyn? It wasn't Madeline, though. I did it the same thing. Annabelle. Yeah, I, I was sure Madeline was going to be Evelyn. And my biggest one is you go on a date while you have a suicide victim at your house in your bed. Man, that's nice that's life not if you can good, get it. <laughs> that's not a good look. Other negative reheatables? Um, let's see. The voiceovers mm-hmm. were all so bad to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, the wait, are you like when they were at the beach and they had and they had to voiceover because the beach sounds, and then when they were at the jazz festival. Mm-hmm. Well, if I may be nerdy for a second, I'm sure there's a nerdy reason. I know it's too loud. It, it's technically not a voiceover. What? that is is that's um adr additional dialogue recording because this is shot on film so when you shoot on film you would be shooting the picture separate with the audio and in this case since it's so far away you don't see their voices i'm sure that they went into a studio like we are and then they just would record their voices but they wouldn't put in they didn't mix it correctly. yeah like they didn't make any effort to have any other noises right exactly so and this is one of those where people they were just like, ah, that seems too hard. This is fine. Mm-hmm. But it, this is his directorial debut. It did not have a, but like he will get into a tasty nuggets with, he's very bare bones. Let's go, let's go, let's move it. Let's move it. So did they not have the money or did he not care? That's a good one. Yeah. But I that as well. We are like, okay. This is from Adam. And he said, leaving fire unintended. I have that as well. <laughs> Wait, but Aaron. I didn't even notice, but. Your brother focused on fire unattended. No, That's... he's very big into fire safety. He loves he fire, is... but we are very big into fire safety. Progress. That is she... That is progress. I'm well, glad to hear that. because he got his ass beat for not being fire safety. <laughs> like, if you want to be real about it. <laughs> Burning pencils behind the big chair. Yeah. I almost took that beating, and I was like, not me. Not today. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. This ain't Mm. happening today. Um, No, I like, I know we've talked about the haircuts, and I like a shag haircut, but I don't like that everyone had the same haircut. Right. Who knew who was the man and the woman? Not that it matters, but they all had the same haircut. Yes, they did. I really did not like Clean Eastwood's hair in this. Oh, he 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 loved his luscious mane. You oh. know he did, because that many was virile. Not not a big fan. Not. A, I've seen like parts of the the uh, the man with no name series, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Like when I see that, like I get that Clint Eastwood, but in this, I'm like, he does zero for me. Right. And then my final negative, it is, um, I wrote sex in the woods, shrubbery and bugs. 
Yes, that was one of mine as well. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that was such an indulgent amount of film. And I felt like a lot of it was just to show off his back, his muscles. Because she was like, there was nothing to her. And she, uh, yes, come on. How long did that have to go on? I the thing about that is I found it on one. This is one of those cases of two things can be true at the same time. I was deeply offended that, okay, what Roberta Flax song that they play the first time ever I saw your face is a, a classic all time standard. To have it then associated with this, I felt how just indignant. How dare you? But then she did get paid for the song, and the song when it came out wasn't that big. But then because of this movie, Roberta Flack ended up getting paid. I hope, who knows, with the music and publishing and all of that, but at least... It was beneficial to her career. But I, as well, was like, what is this bullshit? How dare you be playing this song? But then in the end, I'm like, but Roberta Flack is getting a lot of money. A lot of people are knowing about her. So, Because really, we could have had a a couple glimpses and moved on. I I didn't need all of that. I did not. Now, I think when I saw it back in the 70s, I kind of thought it was kind of cool. But, of course, I would not... <laughs> yeah, but again, I was not big on bugs getting in my internal cavities. Anyway. No, and anything else that could be. So, yeah, it's just like. Ugh. So my negative reheatables. Are we to them? Does anybody have any other ones? No. Um, made them think. At the lime green, neon green titles like fit this film. The color of the opening titles and, and the font. Titles. The font was very I funky. So much. How oh my god! Adam hated that too. Yeah. He was like, uh, maybe if it was like a comedy, a romantic comedy, like it did not seem like you're about to get into a thrill, like a Mm-mm. psychological thriller. Yeah. Not at all. It was like laughing. Yeah. It reminded me of, like the Brady Bunch. Yes, yes, very much so. Completely. I didn't. The font. I didn't really have a problem with. It, it's this, you know, early seventies, late sixties thing. It could be white. And it's like okay, cool. But the the neon green of it just did not fit at all with what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, again. This is why he's my brother. Props to Adam. Toby's complete lack of fire safety. She has basically that mini torch and she just hangs it on there. And I thought she was going to hang it, go over and turn off whatever. I don't know. I'm not an artist. I don't know these things. I don't, I only pretend to wear a kimono, but she just leaves and the flame is still going and is going to leave the apartment. You would never do that. And as we know, we've learned a lot about fire safety from our friends, Karen and Georgia recently. Yes. Which flower you do not. No, not flower. No, no flower. (laughs) Flower to try to put out a fire. Yes. A kitchen fire. No, you're behind. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
I I always knew baking soda, and so in my mind, it's just just straight baking soda or a wet dish towel. But like for a grease fire, Ooh, grease fires. You, know? you you walk out. We have it. fire extinguishers. <laughs> you walk out. You call the fire department. <laughs> Um, just how many times did they mention how Toby has so many different roommates and how isolated her house is? They just kept really just drilling that down. Yeah, they did. They didn't need to, you know, drop one clue. Yeah, but they were just really, did you get it? Did you get it? Do you know what's going to happen? And then how did Toby, Toby, Toby? How did Toby vet all of these new roommates? Because it was a revolving door. They don't have she the abs, didn't. Just the, she didn't. The newspaper. Yeah. So uh, like, you have the money, or or the uh, the little ad where you tear off the the telephone number at the bottom at the yeah. at the blue th- banana stand. <laughs> exactly. Um. When. Oh man, when Evelyn was calling her, she mentioned this was one of my quotes. Her that she had her brand new lounging pajamas. Yes. <laughs> and I had a question for you, Ma. Like, has the word lounge changed since 1971? Because she looked like like she that would seem like a like a go go kind of outfit. Like she was gonna go clubbing. It was a what like a a halter top kind. I don't know the the correct words, but it was a it was a two piece. And her midriff was showing, and it was pink and and polyester, and not like the comfy spandexy polyester. No, no polyester that would actually fuse to your skin if it caught on fire. Um, I remember when we were in Indianapolis, so that would have been eighty. No, 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 no. It was before you. It would have been seventy-eight, seventy-nine time frame and grandmommy came to visit and we went shopping and she that's my dad's mom for made me buy a pink polyester jumpsuit for yourself <laughs> she for likes a jumpsuit. she's 90 plus and still rocks a jumpsuit so yeah she does like a polyester jumpsuit with the um Remember the Barbie slide heels mm-hmm. that you'd put on the Barbie doll that Adam used to really like. Love yeah, those. Adam liked that. So I had yeah, a, so a I pair of those that were pink because I needed this outfit for a lounging type outfit if someone important were to come over to the house for, say, cocktails. I mean, I. Not gonna lie, I fully support that vision. I love a jumpsuit. We were, we were watching Golden Girls. Um, one of them in the first or second episode is wearing an amazing pink wide leg pant situation with a nice. This was wide leg like pink. Oh, like I mean that sounds like everything I wear. So yeah. I, I support that, and I really love the. And I hate to go against you on this, but I really love the idea of just. No, this is what I always wear at home. Yes, exactly. I'm comfortable. Because back then, it was jeans and a t-shirt for me, you know? At home, you were wearing jeans? Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I totally was. It wasn't until this epidemic that I started wearing... No, Well, 
I mean, Ma, come on. You had me. And remember, I was, I would not, as a little kid, little Aaron refused to wear pants that didn't have an elastic waist. Yes. Like, I, I would refuse it's because true. it was so But that's the great thing about these pantsuits. And these, that's the great thing about this. It's all elastic. It's all comfortable. There's no, it's, I, yeah. Except this polyester. But polyester, okay. It doesn't maybe. have any spandex in it. So it does, so you have to be sure, you know, when you sit down that you aren't like, you know, cutting off your circulation disorder. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, just the fact also... that I was going to have somebody come over to our Bourbon Street apartment in Indianapolis for drinks. Yeah, but Ma, she had like a whole bar set up in the basement of her house. And it... I always just, I remember as a little kid being like, I think there's something to this, but this is like, it was a, she had a whole after hours lounge thing in the basement. Like Teeny would be amazed, shocked, and in awe. Of and the heaven, setup. and heaven. In heaven as well. Sounds there amazing. were bar stools where you could sit. There was a bar. Nobody ever did, but. Yeah. And then it was a, a whole, it was a literally an enclave. And on one end was a piano. The other end was the Oregon. And then there were tables. The Oregon? There the were Oregon? All, yeah, the Oregon. Oregon? The Oregon? Yeah. The, or the Oregon, if you Oregon, want to not so uptight. Not an Oregon. <laughs> the Oregon. Not one and 45. It was an organ where Manzel could play Misty for you while you sipped on a cocktail. Sounds great to me. It, it was. It was really cool, but I only saw it deserted and dark. And then I, in my mind, I was like, what happened down here? <laughs> what went on? Hmm. So where are we? I have no idea. positive reheatables. <laughs> if you're done with your negatives, oh, we're at positive. I need my negative reheatables. Um. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. The um. Yeah. The nature scene. Yeah. The Madame Butterfly. Okay. We're to good reheatables. Um. Okay. You're up. Me. Okay. Oh. His you're gonna go right into them. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. His beer, his beer fridge, which was a oh. fridge, but it was just stacked with beers. Yeah, I did that think that. Great. And then yeah, I also, we have that. Yeah, not here, not here. No, no, no. And then Gosh. his uh, to add to it fully, I like how there was the empty paper towel roll in his kitchen. I didn't notice, but that's mm -hmm. good. Yeah, that, that you're like you know who this guy is, and yeah, you're like, ah. that's good, that's good. Sarcastically, in my mind, I'm like, he's a keeper, not because <laughs> again, he's not a young man; he's a 41 year old man in this. Yes. So there's that. Um, we already talked about his dwelling. Um, how Roberta Flack? I like the psycho style editing. When she just goes buck wild on people with a knife. Oh, yeah, that was good. I thought that was good. And especially when uh, the police guy gets off. That was very, uh, it reminded me of Arbogast, that shot when, you know, he gets it. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is a good reheatable. I, I understand that 
At the same time that I'm putting it as a good reheatable, it's in the context of this movie and that it is not a good reheatable to have violence against women. But again, context does matter. She tried to kill him multiple times with a knife. So in this instance, I thought that the way that he overcame and won everything was he merely just punched her in the face and that sent her <laughs> yeah, that was so good. over the balcony and over the cliff and down it, all it took was just one good punch to the face not sure that that's a great reheatable as i say it out loud that he was able to get rid of this woman with just a one punch to the face would have just settled all of this when it started that's not what i'm saying in the movie how it happens that yeah. would make me chuckle and then i remembered the neon green titles and i'm like i'm allowed to laugh at this there were <laughs> titles at the beginning. i'm not laughing at a woman dying from someone punching her in the face she but if a woman it. ever were to be <laughs> dead from like she she, she put her yeah that's... yeah you know hey don't go bring in a knife and trying to kill people yeah. you know like you, you you can't humans shouldn't put their hands on other human beings true yeah but we should have called the the men in the white coats hey 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 he to um pick her up we were but they did and she would got let out so okay <laughs> so we are to we, oh, we wait. you and i haven't done our positive i have not go ahead christine um mine i wrote the ice tray uh, because we have that same ice tray. They have one of the metal ice trays that you fill you on the You have the Pachunka one? Because it was in when we moved into the house in Richmond. That they and all of the appliances were original from the 60s. Yes, they were. We wow. ended up keeping one of the ice trays because we still needed it. We weren't rich enough to get a refrigerator with the ice maker. So, I mean, you know what I can say about those ice trays? They fucking break the ice cream cubes because these other ones, the plastic ice trays are terrible. The silicone ice trays, you can't find regular ass silicone ice trays anymore that aren't for teeny tiny ice cubes or giant cocktail ice cubes. Exactly. So it's really hard to find a good ice tray. But I used to always catch my hand in that in the metal. Oh, you were using it wrong, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that is an understatement. Yes. Yeah, so my ice cubes kind of had blood in them, but other than that, it was <laughs> no big <good>. deal. <laughs> That'll I, make me you love me more. Or I got in, I got in trouble today because I left the. I'm making a, I'm making my iced coffee, and then Adam comes in to make breakfast, so I'm trying to get out of his way. So I, my one of my ice trays, the ice was done, so I just threw it in the sink. So then I got in trouble because he poured sausage grease into the sink and he's like, well, is this ice tray broken? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, it's going to taste like sausage now because there's sausage grease in it. And I was like, well, that sounds delicious. So. Exactly. What a new infusion. Yeah. Into your sausage infused iced coffee. That's right. Excuse me. You just made Bloody Mary ice cubes. Thank True. you very much. That's and right. Sausage tasting mm -hmm. Bloody Mary. Like and you're how Brooklyn. Dare he? I did write his car, but then that podcast that I was listening to brought up 
good good point how did he afford all of this stuff being a radio dj yes and not be i mean he wasn't top of the tier yeah he was like the overnight guy basically yeah Yeah. he's got a jaguar his nice ass place trust fund kid is what he's screaming to me maybe maybe that um pond thing was a leak (laughs) (laughs) okay in the house Mm -hmm. and that's how he could afford that house Mm -hmm. um bucket hats very in right now very in evidently evidently (laughs) the views yes yes um okay this is a very specific positive but the brass band following that boring long sex scene, mm-hmm. Adam literally said, now nah, you brought me back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then finally I wrote when Misty plays at the end. Yes. We I mean, on. it's a beautiful song and Errol Gardner plays it beautifully. Your poppy plays it beautifully as well. Hmm? I liked the song before this movie. Oh, well. Aren't you a trendsetter? Aren't I just? Um, my positive Rahita Go ahead. Bow was Jessica Walters. I mean, just just Jessica yeah. Walters. Every yes. moment she's on screen, you can't you can't not look at her. So we are two quotables. Okay, go ahead. Um I liked when she called him Buster Blue Eyes. I have that as well. I was, I bust, I think I did a spit take because because of Buster in Arrested Development, who doesn't have blue eyes. He has as dark uh, shark eyes as Aaron does. Mm. It's not very good publicity for a man in your position when she was like, you know, taking herself out in his bathroom at his house i better check the workbench i don't know what that has to do with <laughs> i but it's a great better check it. Yeah. i better well, check the workbench it was probably something to do with art and you were just feeling your arty and you're like yes oh. better check the workbench something you know what it might have had to yeah. do with art or or your son who is into workbenchy things so no, it wasn't. Uh, no, I didn't. I wasn't channeling Adam at that point. Other quotables? I have. What am I supposed to do? Sit here all dressed up in my little whore suit? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you might have to send me that. That might be the. <laughs> my little whore suit. That reminds me of polyester pantsuit. It's pink. Like Grand mommy made me. It was like a mauve pink too. Yeah, I don't know. With, with fluffy sleep, it was not my. It wasn't. I was not comfortable in it. But I like that you bought it because you were trying. I tried, and so I bought it and went. This is Ladies never coming on my body again. The jury rests. I bought this. I tried. I did my part. Um. What is this? Be kind to ser- be kind to senior citizens week. I don't know when she said that that when she went to, she busted in when it was Madge. Was it Madge or Midge? Madge. Madge. Yeah. The the business lunch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is this? Be kind of senior citizens week. (laughs) 
Um, and then when the house, the um, what was the house cleaner's name? Birdie. 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 When she was getting carried out on the stretcher, and she said, "It's gonna cost you double to clean up this mess." <laughs> Look at that birdie! Still, still eye on the prize. Yeah. I, I, he doesn't pay for my health insurance. I gotta come back. I gotta work these sutures off. Mm-hmm. Oh, mine. Um, let's give his tongue a nice hand. That was what they said at the Monterey Jazz Festival. I thought that was funny because he was the trombonist. He was like, ah. if, if you guys play trombone in high school, you know that his tongue is tired. And he's like, let's give that tongue a nice hand. Um, how he said and now here's a pretty one for lonely lovers on a cool cool night (laughs) and when Al says ooh chicken delight well that's what I call she's wait what he said well that's what I call she's pretty good smothering might have been dyslexic in how I typed that but you guys just (laughs) So those are my quotables. Outstanding. Well, now we are to LVP. Uh, I have a touch of a controversial one. Uh, do you want to save it or do you want to go now? Well, it's up to you. You're my producer. Go ahead. Clint Eastwood's acting. That's not controversial. Not here. <laughs> I remember seeing this, you know, back when it came out. I don't remember who. I thought it was with your father. Um, And I was 100% all in. And looking back, I'm going, you know, he's he's not a smooth, graceful actor. So you were all in on Clint Eastwood? You were just like, yes, give me some of that. No, I was all in on this is Clint Eastwood. This is his first directorial debut. It was... You know, like the shock, the shock and awe of of everything transpires. Um, It was a good movie. But, you know, I I remember thinking at the time, yeah, it was really good. Not going, oh, my God, that sex scene is so indulgent. And, my God, the dude is not that great of an actor. Well, he's, that didn't think he was terrible. He wasn't terrible. But I also cannot think of one. My grandfather, I believe, loved Westerns and Clint Eastwood. But, you know, I was never paying attention to the acting. Yes, exactly. And that was his whole thing was to underact and to say as little as possible. And when he did, he would talk to his teeth. Yeah. Like when I watch it now, I I kind of laugh because at now at this point, that's such a it's almost a caricature of himself right. Mm-hmm. Right. like like yeah he that's Clint Eastwood he's doing this Clint Eastwood thing yeah that was my LVP um at first I put my LVP as the voiceovers which are not voiceovers I guess but what? the what's it called the additional dialogue recordings. The, the nerdy additional dialogue recordings. Yes. Hmm. Um, that long sex scene really did not do it for me. And it reminded me of like, sometimes, I mean, I haven't, I've really fallen off Young and the Restless in the past year with now that um, your son and brother made me get rid of DVR. Um, 
So, but sometimes in The Young and the Restless, you can watch the whole episode in like 15 minutes when you can fast forward through the sex scenes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, but in retrospect, I would have fast forwarded through the sex scenes. Yes. It was way too long. Yes. Way boring. Yes. Nobody gives a shit. We get that you had sex. Right. Right. It didn't look comfortable either. She did not look comfortable. No, she did not. (laughs) She was robotic. So that's it? Mm -hmm. For my LVPs? All right. Mm -hmm. Honorable mention, Toby's friend. Like, you don't realize that, or I guess maybe it was her roommate, but she's enough, like, she's wearing her sweater, and I don't know what the communication was between, like, Oh, that's my sweater. Oh, by the way, here's this man that I'm in hiding from. Don't say anything. And she basically spills all of the beans. Maybe it's not the friend. Maybe it should have been, which leads me to my next honorable mention. And I do believe that that is Toby. Girl, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hiding. And then you look super uncomfortable when he came back. And, you know... But then I can't be that mad because I'm sure that she made a pretty penny when she sold her father's house. Because this whole... Isn't this area where Little Big Lies takes place? Yes. Yes. So I'm sure that she made a nice real estate deal. I'm sure she did as well. Which brings me to my real LVP. I went with David. I just thought that he was a jerk. I did like his purple lavender suit that he went to meet Midge. I was props to that. I like that he pulled that off. But I just thought that he was, I just, I just thought he was a dick. And honestly, I thought that Evelyn could have done better. She's got her problems of her own, true. But Mm. I, 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 I'm not going to say, like, he definitely didn't ask for it. But just his whole persona and the way that he's depicted, it was very 1971, mm-hmm. very, well, but the world is catered to me, but I have no idea that it really is catered to me. So when people chime up to say, hey, the world isn't catered to you, then I'm going to have problems with it. It's just that whole thing. Pretty much why I ended up with your puppy. Because he was the first person <laughs> I dated who treated me with some respect. Mm-hmm. MVP. Okay. Well, the yeah. West Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my MVP is Roberta Flack. That's that's a good song. I When I hear it, I just think this could only be like I, I hear that song as a mother or a father looking at their child, because I'm just like the first time ever I saw your face. Oh, just like that's a, that's a parent song. No, Adam wrote that song about me. <laughs> oh, um, my bad. My bad. <laughs> I had to just lol at myself because. I'd had some to drink by the time I got to this part last night. So my runner-up MVP, I wrote Being a Stalker in 1960. Yes. yes. That's a good one. It's a lot of fucking work. You didn't have the internet. Yes. You just had to sit there and wait and be like, oh, I guess they're going to show up here. 
You couldn't like hack into find my friends. Mm -hmm. You couldn't stalk them on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat. And you just had to like call other random people's phones. Like she had to call the restaurant to be Mm -hmm. like, I know this bitch is here. Confident that it wasn't somebody else's car, which meant you probably knew the license plate because there weren't as many kinds of cars. Right. So that's like a lot of work. She really was doing a lot. Yeah, a stalker had to work hard. But the the good the the good upside of that is that there weren't really any stalking laws, I believe. So you know you could could kind of do yeah, and there was no DNA. So you could and at the time. Golden State Killer. I mean, not that he was stalking. You could kill anybody you wanted to. And Ted Bundy. As long as you die before 2020, you're good Mm -hmm. to go. Hey, you could probably get away with it very easily. But my real MVP was this quote. I was drowning in the ocean and I called to you and you just stood there. And all it reminded me of me drowning in the ocean. (laughs) And I was calling to my husband, and he just stood there. Which is why I had already gotten out. And I said, he said, you have to get out. And I said, I can't. And he said, you have to get out. And I said, I can't. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bravo. Yep. Just Bravo. Yep. I remember it was, the sea was angry that day, my friends. Mm-hmm. I, wow. but I, I got caught in the washing machine and the, well, you know when you get caught in the waves and it's a, like a washing machine and you're in the spin cycle and you yes. just can't get out but I believe that I was there I, you were nowhere to be found you were nowhere to be found it was oh. me alone in the ocean and Adam <laughs> was there and he ran out and I said Help me. Help I me. I can't get out. And he said, you have to get out. And I said, I can't get out. He said, you have to get out. And I said, I can't. I can't get out. <laughs> Motherfucker. I and think- every time, all I could come up for air was enough to say, I can't. And a wave I- would come knock me down again. That might have been the day I got out. And I just walked to the chairs. And Aaron came up and said, Ma. <laughs> You you can't just sit here like this because my hair was complete a sandbar in my hair, but I wasn't gonna go anywhere no. until I could catch my breath. <laughs> Ma, you can't sit here like this. Oh, was so that? I, just, was... I really related to that. I was drowning in the ocean, and I called to you, and you just stood there. <laughs> Say, get out. <laughs> I can't get out. Exactly. Because the sand is sucking your, your feet in further. Oh, my God. Christine and I have the same issue. Getting out of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, man. I just, I, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm taking it in. I validate this. <laughs> okay. Erin had probably just gotten me out. She was gone. That's true. She was probably checking <laughs> yeah, on you. She, I do know that she she had to check out, take care of you. I, I mean, I do know there were a few times where I'm like trying to help my mom, and, and, and I I didn't I, even care what was going on with my bathing suit. I'm sure my exactly. <laughs> things were out. I don't know. Who I'm, knows? 
I'm surprised one boob wasn't in and one out of the underwire situation. Do you, do you know why I was nowhere to be found? Because I was underwater because my mother was... And this was okay because I, I knew what was going on. But I was underwater because I she was using me to push up <laughs> to keep herself up. So that's, that's why what I, I needed. That's what I was waiting for. I was holding my breath. Yes. And, and like, Karen, you know, at some point you have to leave because she will kill you. You have to put yourself first. But for right now, it's fine. I know. How, I know. I'm... Oxygen level's good. And that's all I'm thinking is I will not let my child die trying to push the whale of me out of the ocean with well, a sandbar on my head. Yeah, your child wouldn't let that happen. I hope not. I hope not. Because Adam always says, I got you, I got you. And he's always gone when the big wave comes and you're always there. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, my MVP, LVP. No, we were MVP. at MVPs. All right, LVP. Believe it or not, that was my MVP. Yeah, that was your MVP. Yeah, yeah that quote because I related yeah. to it so much. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, we were because I already did Roberta Flack. Yeah. I so apologize. I'm back in the ocean (laughs) trying not to kill my daughter and living myself (laughs) to breathe air another day. I thought I would never breathe air again. (laughs) She says with her her hair looked wild and crazy. (laughs) And she's like, just sitting there looking straight ahead with sand everywhere. Seven sand crabs in there. I would never breathe air again. (laughs) Yeah, meanwhile, I'm like, well, all right, you're safe. I'm going to go and get all the sand out of me because I was in the wash (laughs) as you were getting yourself out. Exactly. My MVP honorable mention is Birdie for the line that Teeny already gave about how it was going to cost her double. Mm. It's great. But my real MVP is... Jessica Walter for her whole performance. Yes. But specifically when she said the quote to Toby. Was it Toby? I don't know. She said it. To, no, it was to Toby. She said, God, you're dumb. And <laughs> that quote is the quote that resonates with me. Ooh. Not because of anybody on this podcast, let it be known, but just. Yeah. Many, many occasions in my other life where I'm like, she's got a point. I mean, (laughs) if the shoe fits, the question to be asked. Okay, well, we are to recasting. Yes, I have two. As do I. But I didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. Okay, I put a ton of effort into mine. So you go ahead. So let me go ahead. So my Dave is, this is going to be probably 50s, people in their fifth, well, a couple people in their fifth. Dave is Will Smith. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. So his Toby is Jada. Okay, yes. And the Evelyn is Tiffany Haddish. Oh, that's pretty yeah. good. 
Yeah. By the way, have you guys watched Bad Trip? No, not yet. Um, L O L the entire time. Oh, oh okay. my God. Okay, I will definitely put that in my queue. Uh, my other one, okay, so Dave, because um, I feel like Dave is a dick. Yeah. So I want, who else is a dick? Ben Affleck. Oh. Yeah, is a dick. So, of course, his Toby is going to be the lovely Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. And his Evelyn is going to be J-Lo. Oh, I thought you were going to go Anna Darmus. <laughs> I was like, oh, right out of the Us Weekly. J-Lo. That would be good. Okay. Would you like, are you ready for my recasting? I am because you put effort into it. Mm-hmm. So it was 1971 and I wanted to, I was like, well, who else is like, you know, what's going on in 1971 to kind of give it the same kind of thing. So all of my recasting is taking, like we're remaking the movie in 1971. In 71. Got it. So David is Sidney Poitier. Because he's super famous. Yeah, you know. But he's, I like him. I know. But then, so then Evelyn, it had to be somebody who, like, Jessica Walter, she had been in movies, but this was her first big. This was a breakout you know, for her. Yeah, the breakout <clears throat> movie. I was looking for black actresses that I could kind of cast, and I went with Judy Pace. She played Gail Sayers' wife in Brian's song. <gasps> And that came out in 1971, right? And then also in 1970, she was voted the most beautiful African-American woman. So I'm like, I feel like Judy Pace. Like, yeah, let's get this. Judy Pace is playing it. And then for Toby, I cast Clarice Taylor as Toby, who was Birdie. I just casted her as Toby. Oh, okay, good, good. Um, And then for Birdie, I cast Joanne Woodward, the queen, as Birdie the house, the maid. Because I feel like I like to idealize and say that Joanne Woodward would have, this would be a cameo role and she would have killed it. And oh, it would have been would've. hilarious. She was the maid. So then, because I had been looking for black women stars and I'm like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, I then realized like, oh yeah, this is the year that Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland might have i'm the jury's still out i still don't know if this is a weird wikipedia thing but allegedly won the naacp image awards so that member when we did clue how they won the naacp image award for 1971 so i'm like ah this is why (laughs) like you know so then i thought of a new thing the crisscross what if and so then i recasted it David with Donald Sutherland and Evelyn with Jane Fonda and then in Clute Clute was Clint Eastwood and Jane Fonda's character was Jessica Walter it was a crisscross oh and just how like just playing those movies in your head with each of them I because I mean, Jessica Walter could have nailed it as well. And oh, then yeah. to imagine Jane Fonda as the Jessica Walter. Yeah, she could do that. Know? I just thought it, was, I thought it was very interesting how that worked out. She could do some cray-cray. Mm-hmm. 
I am assuming Christine did not. I did not. Recasting. So we are to Tasty Nuggets. I did not do the research. <clears throat> it cost Jessica Walters 40 cents to make a duplicate of the key to his house. But I didn't see what that was today. Oh. I, I mean, not... I mean, people get duplicate keys made. It was just interesting to me that he didn't realize that that's what she was doing yeah yeah uh, because yeah. i remember very early on i mean like when i first moved out that i always took my house keys off like when i had a car key and you know you would take your car in i always mm. took my house keys off and only gave them the car key because i had heard and this was before facebook and social media like, you don't want to because if there's somebody that's a creep, they can make a copy of your house key and they know where you live because your address is on file. Damn, so, I never heard that. <clears throat> you didn't live with true crime. True crime, ma. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was sort of based on a real-life incident with a disc jockey named Jean Shepard. Hmm. The scenes of the Monterey Jazz Festival were really scenes from the real Monterey Jazz Festival. And apparently Jimmy Lyons was the one who was responsible for that because he got a shout out in Neon Green at the very beginning of the film for uh, making that whole thing happen. Mm. Steve McQueen, we we still haven't done a Steve we McQueen We still film. haven't done it. He um, turned down the role because he felt like the stronger role was the female lead and heaven forbid he would play second <laughs> fiddle to a female. He is Steve McQueen. I mean, so there's that. Those were my tasties. I have. Okay. The cottage. It hit the market. In 2019. Ooh, this is Toby's place or is this uh, David's place? I think this is Toby's place. And this is where okay. I got confused because I saw this, but then I saw like, I don't know. There are a couple different things about a couple different, I think it's his and hers, but mm -hmm. I think this is the cottage. Um, cute caramel cottage that appeared in the Clint Eastwood movie. It's on the market for the first time in 20 years. And this was May 13th, 2019. Um, uh, where did we go? One point. No, it's not that much. It was more than that. I wrote 1.895 million, but then I saw some other, I think that's 11 million. Yeah. It's 11 million. Uh, Bright and cheery, this ideally located cottage is um, in the highly coveted golden rectangle. Sounds very nice. Mm. Set back on a quiet street, just 300 steps to Carmel Beach on a short stroll to town. The home features two bedrooms, two bathrooms, a family room, dining room, and a living room with open ceilings. Skylights, two wood-burning fireplaces, and vibrant oak floors. It looks beautiful in these updated pictures. Two yeah. bedrooms, two baths. Mm -hmm. Let's get down to let's get down to brass tacks. Two yeah. bedrooms, two baths. 
Mm -hmm. Some fun facts about Carmel by the Sea, which is like the town. Mm -hmm. uh, the municipal code of Carmel bans wearing high-heeled shoes without a permit. What? Oh. Well, two of us don't have to worry about that. I don't know about you, T. Three of us, no. Three Unless of us. We are, we are yeah. good. Unless I'm getting married again. <laughs> hey. Um there are right? <laughs> there are no street addresses, so the names of cottages are usually given, such as Hansel or Sea Urchin. Oh, I like that. It is considered bad luck to change the name of a Carmel cottage. Oh, mm -hmm. that's good to know. There are no parking meters, streetlights, or sidewalks outside of downtown Carmel, which seems like the ideal place for a stalker. Yes. Mm -hmm. There are no chain restaurants or fast food places in town. And ice cream was not permitted to be sold or eaten in public streets until the law was overturned in the 1980s. Wow. That was probably Clint Eastwood. <laughs> My first act as mayor. Yeah. Um, so this is for the final scene. So it must have been Toby's place because that mm -hmm. was the final scene, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, contemporary in style, but warm in atmosphere. There are fireplaces in both the main residence and the guest house with the chef's galley-style kitchen in the main residence. A truly unique and beautiful property in a very exclusive part of Carmel Coast. There are a few homes that can afford this kind of view and a setting this close to the ocean. Also, Clint Eastwood later became the mayor of Carmel mm -hmm. in the 1986. Mm -hmm. He served two terms. This this house also, I think this is okay. So here's the thing: is there was another another house, and I but I or another article I saw, but I think this was the same house, and it was another scene, and it, it was also featured in another movie. Did you guys see anything about that? No. Well, I can't find which article it was. And I don't remember it mo what movie it was. So you're probably never going to know. Teeny notes. Yep. Uh, okay, my other tasty nuggets. The Sardine Factory is a mm -hmm. real restaurant. And it is still around. It just reopened in March. for, And it has recently reopened for indoor dining. It's a fancy place. The entrees are like $40. Oh, my gosh. You guys would love it because it's a lot of seafood. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't like seafood. It would be a place that I would go where you guys would get a nice meal, and I'd be like, what's the salad on the menu? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, Do you have a burger? Yeah, but it was named the best restaurant in 2020 by the Monterey Herald Reader's Choice Awards. So I'm sure they have something delicious for non-seafood people. If it's the best restaurant, it doesn't say best seafood restaurant. Yeah, no, it looks delicious. Um, what else did I have here? The Monterey Jazz Festival mm -hmm. is where they filmed some of the scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, it was at the 1970 Monterey Jazz Festival featuring jazz great. Johnny Otis, Cannonball Adderley, and Joe Zawinful. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that was really at, that was like a real jazz festival. 
I can't believe Poppy and I have never gone. I can't believe Poppy's never gone. I know that I know that I think it was probably before this, but I knew the Monterey. No, I knew the Monterey Pop Festival. Because that was when I think that was when. uh, Oh, man, there was a film about the Monterey Pop Festival because I think. I wouldn't say it was either Otis Redding or Wilson Pickett. Somebody like did an amazing performance, and I think that was also where Jimi Hendrix lit his his guitar on fire. Oh. I remember hearing like when I was into like the '60s and stuff. I remember hearing about Monterey, but I think it was a Monterey Pop Festival. Okay. One well, of these days, I would like to go to the New Orleans Jazz Festival. Yes, that would be cool. We were able to go to the Montreux Jazz Festival Mm. in Switzerland when Aaron was but a baby. I believe that's when I was left with the babysitter that you didn't know. Oh, but Poppy would rather stay with you in the babysitter than go out with me. Apparently she was quite attractive and I was a little brown baby. So what could go wrong? No one would want me. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing went wrong. Apparently. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of the jazz festival, Otis Johnny Otis was known as the godfather of rhythm and blues, and he helped discover Etta James. Etta oh. at last James for the youngins who don't know. At last. Yeah. <clears throat> um we got we alluded to it. He was That was our wedding song. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. it's, it's classic. It's great. that you dance to. I mainly do dance to. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Walter was nominated for a Golden Globe. Or like, she didn't win because you know Jane Fonda was included this year. If you didn't know, um, Misty is a jazz standard, 1954 pianist Errol Gardner. The lyrics were later added by Johnny Burke. It became a signature song of Johnny Mathis. Um, that's the version that is heard. It was also in the film. It was also recorded by Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra, among others. I could sing it for you if you'd like. Um, we'll put that at the end if we want. The <laughs> Mount Paso Productions is that's Clint Eastwood's production company. He started in 1967 with financial advisor Irving Leonard. Um, it, the translation is a bad step or a misstep in Spanish. And there's actually a Malpaso Creek that's south of Carmel. Um, his agent, when the role for the man with no name came up, um, he, Clint Eastwood's agent said that it would be a bad step for his career. But oh. he went ahead and took the role. And he ended up using the money that he got from that to start this film company. Mm-hmm. It produced five films prior to this and to this film, Play Misty for Me. And then Play Misty was the first that it was like, okay, Clint, go ahead. He um, he was able to direct this because I forget who the guy was at Universal Studios, but he was like, all right, I'll let you direct it if you waive your acting fee. So he waived his acting fee and he got to direct it. Um, Clint Eastwood as a director is known for his tight schedules. Uh, He doesn't really rehearse. There's no multiple takes. He usually brings films in on time or earlier and often under budget. So this film, Play Misty for Me, it was $50,000 short of the million dollar budget. 
and it came in four or five days ahead of schedule, and it ended up grossing $10.6 million. Wow. You probably should have used the rest of the budget for the sound. Yeah, yeah I feel like he could have done a couple extra takes on his yeah. own parts. But this was his first film, and, you know, but yes, yes. KRML is a real jazz station in mm. the area. And Lee Remick, who was in Anatomy of Murder and A Face in the Crowd. Yes. She was originally supposed to play Evelyn, but just um, Clint Eastwood saw Jessica Walter in the group, which was the, it was either play Misty for me or the group. Remember when I was deciding and he saw the group and he decided to cast Jessica Walter huh. as the lead in this. Mm -hmm. uh, that was probably his best decision as a director. It was. She was great. She was outstanding. So that is Play Misty for me. So I don't, I have a question because we, last week when I said it, like I always knew about Play Misty for me because it was an inside joke with you and my dad. Something would happen and you'd be like, you would look at each other and both go, Play Misty for me. And last week you said that it was because my uncle's wife or ex-wife, like she would say that to my dad as a joke? What? Okay. And now you apparently saw this movie with another man? Oh. I don't know. But maybe I Oh, wait. Yeah, timing isn't right. Okay. Um. <laughs> yes. You she live would, the life, Ma. I understand. She would get on the phone, and you know how frequently your uncle called. Oh. Not very. Yeah. But when it so, mattered, he did. So he would call, and she would get on the phone, and she would always say, "Tell Manzel, play Misty for me," okay. which. It was just really, it was like, okay, this movie had come out. He was a pianist, so ha 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 kind it was of like, thing. Like, kind of like when you when I saw Mommy Dearest and it's like, no wire hangers. From now on, no it. wire hangers. Yeah, yes. and then when you kind of were like, but she's like beating a kid. And, you know, it was back in the day before you would kind of be like, like it was just an inside joke. Okay, it's an... It's not just because when I was watching this, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of creepy that this woman's saying play Misty to my father. But it was like an inside, more of an insidey joke. We and hope. may I say that I never, Poppy and I never face to face met her. Oh. So I feel like she was trying to have like a cool inside track. To yeah, include Poppy in a way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So because that's... Of the time, it would be play Misty for me. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. She was the second of three wives. So, you know, there was that. So this is play Misty for me. We hope you enjoyed it. I love Next... it. Teeny and, loved it. It's on her um, short list. So I was saying to Erin whenever I talked to her during the week that I didn't know what I was going to do. And she said, well, usually the universe lets <laughs> you know 
Yeah, yeah. I, it is true. And you, you know, you, yeah. you and so it. I was on social media and I saw something about American Indian Heritage Month. Is that luckily, April? luckily, I knew to investigate because no, that's November. Oh, <laughs> so I had a movie all picked out for that. But so I went on. Well, what is April? April happens to be the month of the military child. Wait, it's my month? Y'all get your own month? Yes. And so I went and I Wait, did some. May I just point out that I had no idea because we start February. That's Black History Month. Okay, well, now you're spoiled. You get Black History Month, Women's Women? Month, it's... and now. Military Month the, yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I had no idea. Right. So I wrote down some of our famous friends who are children of military parents. Pink. Pink. Oh. Amy Adams. Oh. Jessica Alba. Bruce Willis. So we your service, sir. He just won't remember. Lionel Richie. Commodores. Heather Locklear. I'll take it. Shaq. Yes, I because Shaq was over in Germany. He, right. He did time in Germany as well. Right, and Kobe as well. Mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox had a parent in the Canadian military. Hmm. You know, I'll count it. Julianne Moore. Whoa. Michelle Rodriguez. That's so neat. Martin Lawrence. Reese Witherspoon. I did know that because remember I listened to an interview with Reese Witherspoon and she was she was in Wiesbaden. Wiesbaden. Yeah. And we might have crossed paths with her, truth be told. Look Going to the Wiesbaden PX. Yeah, when we were like up up timing it. Steve Carell. Wow. Sharon Tate. Ouch. Faye Dunaway. Whoa. Tilda Swinton. She's British, but it counts, I think. Yeah, military, British military. Yeah. But I am doing a one who I didn't mention yet. It's a 1991 film. Christine, it is two hours and 17 minutes. Oh, oh my gosh. All right, here we go. I am oh, sorry. I'm glad that you picked it. This movie Aaron and I saw in London. I know what it is. Oh my gosh. They wouldn't let Adam come in because he wasn't 12 years old. So Adam and Poppy had to go do something while we went they to went the film. They went to an arcade. They had so much fun. So you would have rather gone to the arcade than see no, the movie because with because if this movie is the movie that I think, I I think about this movie routinely in parking lots. Is this the movie that I'm thinking of? I wonder if Teeny has seen this. And I wonder how it holds up. Yes, I do too. We have we have greats Jessica Tandy and Cicely Tyson in it. I forgot hmm. that Cicely Tyson is in it. We have, um, who was it in Kathy Bates. Uh, Kathy well, Bates. Yeah, and it is Mary Louise Parker, whose father was in the army. 
Oh, I see. And Mary Stuart Masterson. Mary Stuart Masterson. We are doing fried green tomatoes. The whole title is fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Hotel, but that uh, cafe. But that was the name of the book. You'll only find it under Fried Green Tomatoes, 1991. Deanie, have you ever seen or heard anything about fried green tomatoes? Yes, but as a child. I mean, I don't remember. There, it's it's um. But yeah, I've seen it. I was there, but I don't remember much of it. Excellent, because I haven't seen it since 1992 when we saw it in London. I think I've seen parts of it when it would be like on TNT or something right, like that. Right, the part with that. Kathy Bates in the parking lot. Put like definitely... her in the parking, the Luanda thing. Yeah. So I'm interested because this is 1991. So this is around the same time as like, like glory and stuff. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Ma, look at you. I know. I love I... how you got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That was a twisty turny. But I place. told you, universe provides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just quiet yourself and be nice and talk nice to yourself. You will be amazed to see what happens. Yeah, so I was happy with this one. So next week, listeners, fried green tomatoes. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Happy Easter, all of you. Happy Easter. I for in and happy Jessica Walter, even though you're nothing like Lucille Bluth. Lucille Bluth like the vodka tonics. I had to go with the gin and tonic, but this one's to you. And because it's clear alcohol, there are no calories in it. Exactly. Thank you, Lucille Bluth. Love you forever. Well, there you go. Bye bye.